Hello there. Welcome to Time of Death. I'm your host, Riss, and I'm here with the co-host, Dee, and this is episode five, and we're going to no, make- it's episode six. My bad. This is episode <laughs> six, and we're going to be covering the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Yes, I have definitely heard that name before. Yes, very popular case. It gives me very strong Stevie Nicks vibes. Because of Gypsy, the song? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so if you're new here- Time of Death's true crime podcast in which we discuss true crime from a nursing perspective because we have backgrounds in psychiatric and medical nursing. So we just like to chat about cases and give our viewpoints. So we're just going to go for it. Listen, it's either this or we start a podcast where we start meowing at each other. Yeah, that's still an option. ASMR. ASMR. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, Gypsy Rose Blanchard's case. Mm -hmm. She was held basically hostage by her mom, Dee Dee, for over 20 years until Gypsy and her boyfriend, Nicholas Godijan, killed her Mm. in 2015. So, Dee Dee had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And she claimed that Gypsy had seizures, paralysis, muscular dystrophy, asthma, hearing and visual impairments. She had to wear hearing aids and she had to wear glasses and also claimed that she had leukemia in order to garner sympathy from others. Wow. For those of you who aren't familiar with Munchausen syndrome by proxy, Basically, it is a mental illness in which the caregiver fabricates false disorders or diagnoses for the person that they are caring for. Mm. Gypsy was born on July 27th, 1991 in Golden Meadow, Louisiana. She was born to Claudine or Didi and Rod Blanchard. So Rod wasn't that much of a presence in Gypsy's life. He claimed that he was only 17 years old when Didi, who was 24 years old at the time, became pregnant. And the two married because that was the right thing to do, according to Rod. And he said later he got married for the wrong reasons, and the two separated when Gypsy was very little. See, that's a red flag for me when I hear of a 24-year-old sleeping with a teenager. Yeah. Like, that really was the writing on the wall Mm -hmm. that this lady is seriously And you'll see patterns. She's very controlling. And taking advantage of children yeah. at that age. Definitely like a power dynamic kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. So Rod said that he stayed in contact with Dee Dee and Gypsy, and he would regularly send Dee Dee money to take care of Gypsy. Mm-hmm. And periodically he would visit Gypsy, and he said that Dee Dee never left the two of them alone, and he described her as being very controlling. He never really had any... Alone time with his daughter. Wow. So when Gypsy was a baby, Dee Dee brought her to the hospital. She thought that Gypsy had sleep apnea. And the physician determined that, no, she does not have any signs or symptoms of sleep apnea. But Dee Dee was convinced that something was wrong with the baby. A few years later, when Gypsy was eight years old, she fell off her grandpa's motorcycle 
and Dee Dee took her to the hospital, and she only had a minor abrasion to her knee. However, Dee Dee was convinced that there was more to this, and she had Gypsy in a wheelchair from this point on. So she claimed that Gypsy had muscular dystrophy, and muscular dystrophy is a genetic disorder that can cause progressive muscle mm-hmm. weakness and decreased muscle mass. So after this, she just kept her in a wheelchair, and this was kind of, I think there were episodes prior, but this was kind of like a big turning point in Gypsy's life. Yeah, I bet. I mean, being a eight-year-old kid and confined to a wheelchair, and you could like brainwash at that point too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you cannot walk. Mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? Like yeah. that that alone must have left some serious psychological scarring. Yeah, we will definitely get into that because Gypsy talks about that later on. And just the power that her mom's control had over her was just very significant. Mm. So beyond the muscular dystrophy, Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy had leukemia, among a myriad of other issues. She claimed that Gypsy was paralyzed and unable to walk like we know from the muscular dystrophy. She also shaved Gypsy's head after she was diagnosed, in quotations, oh, with, leukemia. with leukemia. She said, you know, your hair's going to fall out anyway, so I'm just going to shave it to keep it nice and neat. Gypsy also had episodes where her teeth rotted out of her mouth. She was prescribed various medications, and... One of those medications that she used was a numbing agent on Gypsy's gum, which caused her to drool to convince providers ultimately to remove her salivary glands. What? Yeah. So she had the salivary glands removed, and then she also had removal of her rotted teeth. And the rotted teeth could have been from the missing salivary glands, but also most likely neglect, purposeful you know, just letting them rot and not taking care of the teeth by Dee Dee because she wanted to paint Gypsy as sick and young and just very ill. So she had the teeth removed. She had multiple other surgeries. She had surgeries on her eyes. She had gastrointestinal surgeries. She was on various medications and she used CPAP, which is often used for sleep apnea. It keeps your airways open. For those of you who don't know, using pressure. And it's oftentimes used for people with sleep apnea. And also she used oxygen as needed as well. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So she was not allowed to go to school. Dee Dee also claimed that she needed a feeding tube, which she was given in order to provide nutrition and so that she could have medications administered as well. So Gypsy was fully capable of walking. She did not need a feeding tube. She was perfectly capable of eating and drinking, and she did not have cancer. And later on, when the trial occurred, the only real health issue that Gypsy had is that she had a bit of a lazy eye, and that's the only thing she said. That was a true diagnosis. That's literally the only thing that was wrong. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. So oftentimes, medical tests and medical examinations done by qualified health professionals contradicted Dee Dee's, 
you know, she was insisting that something was wrong. Yeah. Dee Dee's own fabricated diagnoses. Dee Dee would stop bringing Gypsy to providers who did not agree with her diagnoses. Dee Dee had some healthcare experience as a nurse's aide, so she was able to provide accurate symptom description. She also was able to provide Gypsy with medications to mimic the symptoms that she needed to to prove that she was sick or prove that she needed certain medications from providers. Dee Dee told Gypsy not to talk with providers and was not to volunteer information. As time went on, family members grew suspicious and they started questioning Gypsy's illnesses. And ultimately, this caused Dee Dee and Gypsy to move away to Slidell, Louisiana, where they lived in an apartment there. They used Social Security and disability checks, food stamps, and also Rod's contributions to Gypsy's care. In a hospital in New Orleans, Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy also had developed visual and hearing problems and seizures. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And the, the medical tests conducted showed no evidence of seizures or any other issues. But she was still prescribed anti-seizure medications and medications for pain. In 2005, after Hurricane Katrina, the two were affected and they moved to Aurora, Missouri in a rental home. And they stayed in this rental home while Habitat for Humanity actually built them a new home. In 2008, they moved to this new home in Springfield, Missouri. It was a pink house with a wheelchair ramp and a hot tub. Oh, my God. And they kind of became like local celebrities. They were seen as spokespeople for people with disabilities. And Gypsy and her mom gave speeches at conferences, Relay for Life events. Make-A-Wish Foundation also sent them to Disney World they also were given backstage passes to concerts, including Miranda Lambert's concert. They received donations and gifts, and I think actually a donation from Miranda Lambert herself. And Dee Dee was just painted in a very positive light, and she was seen as selfless, devoted. She was a single mom, caregiver for a girl with a lot of issues. And even Gypsy's dad, Rod, said, you know, I could never do that. Like, he really praised Dee Dee for being, like, a, such a selfless person. I'm going to say this right now. I say this all the time. 99% of problems in the world are caused by attention-seeking behaviors. That's very true. Maybe That's very applicable maybe to this case. Maybe I'm overestimating with 99%. But this sounds like, and I'm going to throw it out there, not to armchair diagnose anyone. Her mom sounds like she has. So there was a lot of speculation about that. And basically there was the thought that Dee Dee just didn't have really have anyone that took care of her that she was close with. So she really made it so... That Gypsy had to rely on her and she had to take care of Gypsy. That was like her her role in life was to provide for her daughter. Or to convince people. Yeah, and to convince convince people that she was being selfless and, you know, sacrificing all of her time and energy into raising this child. 
but you know it's like inherently the opposite of what a parent is supposed to be mm-hmm. like they're not supposed to want you to be dependent like, they want to see you thrive as an adult and grow up into that transition and it sounds like she deliberately she stunted her yes she deliberately stunted Mm -hmm. her daughter which is awful she definitely held her back so after this point when she started you know having local fame gypsy started getting the attention of physicians Hmm. and Something significant here is that Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy's records were either lost or destroyed from Hurricane Katrina. So that's why I don't have any records on all of my daughter's severe illnesses. It's because they've been lost from the hurricane. So one neurologist, a pediatric neurologist, his name was Bernardo Flasterstein from Missouri, He reached out to the two of them to see if Gypsy would come to his clinic because he wanted to help her. Here he found no evidence of muscular dystrophy or any other diagnoses that Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy had. So Bernardo told Dee Dee this and she stormed out of the office and she told Bernardo's nurses that he didn't know what he was talking about. She was never coming back, like all that stuff. The opposite reaction that a healthy parent would have. Mm -hmm. So Flasterstein called providers in New Orleans and all available records claimed that she was a healthy child. (laughs) There was no data about any of her health conditions that Dee Dee claimed she had. So here's where Bernardo was the kind of driving force in the idea that Dee Dee had Munchausen syndrome by proxy, but he never reported the case to law enforcement. And he said he didn't have enough evidence to do so. Come on, Bernardo. Come on. We're mandated reporters, Bernardo. In 2009, actually another physician filed an anonymous report to law enforcement stating that Dee Dee's claims of Gypsy's medical issues had no foundation in medicine. So the two of them were visited by caseworkers and Dee Dee, Dee Dee was, you know, she would use like her Southern charm, according to Gypsy, and she was really good at schmoozing people. Mm-hmm. And she convinced these caseworkers that everything was good. Like Gypsy actually was really sick. I'm like her selfless caregiver, <laughs> all that stuff. And they just dropped the case. They said there was nothing, you know, warranted for further investigation in the home. Well, this is the interesting part, too. In my experience, insurance agencies are a pain in the butt when it comes to getting authorization for anything, right? Mm-hmm. And this case was relatively recent. So how did they, how did the insurance, okay, oh, let's give this girl a feeding tube? I have let's, no idea. Let's, let's, you know, let, and the doctors are literally over here saying like, no, she's healthy. She's normal. And they're still authorized. Like the feeding tube, there are certain criteria that have to be met for that. Yeah. They just don't throw feeding tubes into people willy nilly. I, I just don't understand like how it could have gotten that far. But- I, I, I it, it's, it's a failure on multiple, on uh, multiple avenues. Yeah. Yeah. 
So DD failed her and also the system failed her as well. And the doctor that didn't report it, yeah. that, he failed her. And then the investigators who apparently couldn't put it together, they failed her. And this is a child that we're talking about. Dee Dee would present Gypsy as being younger than she really was. Mm. Uh, in 2010, Dee Dee would say that Gypsy was only 14, but she was actually 19 years old at this point. And actually, Dee Dee forged the dates on Gypsy's birth certificate from 1991 to 1995. And when Gypsy was 19, this is really when she started catching on at this point. She was aware that she was able to walk. She hadn't been going to school since she was in the second grade, but she did teach herself to read using Harry Potter, actually. And Gypsy just really wanted to escape from her mom. And she really began at this point thinking, oh, God, there's something really wrong with my mother. So one day she went to a neighbor's house and she was all packed up and ready to go. She said, I need you to take me to the hospital. She wanted to get away from her mom. But Dee Dee intervened and she brought her back home. And again, she schmoozed the neighbor. Any indications that something was off? by Gypsy was wrong. So if Gypsy said anything or hinted at anything, Dee Dee would paint her as being disillusioned due to her being mentally challenged, ill, or that she was influenced by her prescription medications. She also presented Gypsy as like having the intellectual capacity of a seven-year-old, but her IQ was within normal limits. Oh my God. So she just really wanted to make Gypsy, you know. Portrayed as exactly what she wanted her to be. Yeah. A a mentally handicapped child. Suffering from freaking cancer. So Gypsy was actually friends with a neighbor. Her name was Aaliyah Woodmancy. And she would talk to Aaliyah about dating and ask her for advice. Like, oh, how would you like kiss a boy? And like. Very, you know, common questions for just teenagers to ask and wonder about. Dee Dee did not support the friendship between Gypsy and Aaliyah. And, you know, Aaliyah just kind of emphasized the point that Gypsy just really wanted to be treated as a normal teenager. So in 2011, Dee Dee and Gypsy attended a science fiction convention together. And Gypsy actually met a man here, a 35-year-old man that she tried to run away with, ultimately. He's 35. Yeah. And she's 19. Yeah. So they communicated online after their first meeting, and he ended up taking Gypsy to his hotel room, and Dee Dee tracked them down, and she convinced the man that Gypsy was a minor. And she had paperwork. She's like, oh, here, look at this. Like, she's a minor. But Gypsy was actually 19 years old. And Dee Dee ended up smashing her computer and phone and chained her to her bed for two weeks. Wow. And she also threatened to smash her fingers with a hammer if she ever did that again. Ugly comes out. I mean, the ugly's been there, but the ugly really reared its head. So the same year, 2011, is when Gypsy said that Dee Dee really started using physical abuse And she wouldn't allow her to eat. She'd hit her with a coat hanger, all that kind of stuff. 
And I think it's because Gypsy started being a little more defiant at this mm-hmm. age. And so she started really questioning what was wrong with her mother. Gypsy began using the internet to use online chat rooms to meet men while Dee Dee was sleeping. And she's, I guess she somehow got her hands on another computer and another phone. In 2012, when Gypsy was 21 years old, she met Nicholas Godijan. And he was 23 years old. He was from Big Bend, Wisconsin, and they met on a Christian dating site. So Nicholas has a past criminal record for indecent exposure. Oh, gosh. So he was watching porn at a McDonald's, and then he started touching himself inappropriately. And he's also got mental illness, also diagnosed with autism as well. So the two of them start dating, and they dated for two and a half years via secret relationship online. In 2014, Gypsy talked to Aaliyah online about the relationship between Nicholas and Gypsy and how they were planning a future together and that they might elope together. And also Gypsy shared that the two of them had had BDSM sexual experiences online. They hadn't had any real life contact yet at this point. So in March 2015, Gypsy and Nicholas met for the first time at a movie theater in Springfield, Missouri to watch Cinderella and Dee Dee came and Nicholas and Gypsy, <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas and Gypsy hoped that when Dee Dee met him, all would be well. She would approve and right. it'd be like a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. Like Cinderella. Um, yeah. The evil stepmother. Yeah. So actually Gypsy dressed up as Cinderella and Nicholas dressed up as Prince Charming and their plan just completely backfired. I'll tell you this right now. Did Dee Dee dress up? No, I don't think so. Okay. The only sane thing that Dee Dee did was not dressing up <laughs> <laughs> to go to the movies. I like when people dress up for the movies. I don't mind cause I like cosplaying. But when you dress up as a freaking Disney princess, I'm sorry. There's a complex associated with that. Dee just doesn't like fairy tales, I, I guess. Listen, I enjoy fairy tales. Do not get me wrong. <laughs> but people who truly dress up as Cinderella or Rapunzel or whatever, fight the freaking power man, dress up as a freaking historical character. You know what? Or an anime character. You know what, though? I don't think there's anything wrong with dressing up. And let me tell you why. There's something about fantasy world that just provides an escape. And that's something, that's like the only thing that Gypsy had in this situation. Okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? But anyway. That's a good point. But I will just stress this again. You are not a princess. You are not a princess. Going to Disney World to try to reenact some dream childhood dream you had about being a princess <laughs> and you are not a princess okay that's just my little soapbox on that there you go. that's a red flag we'll that just that agree guy did to that. disagree that's a red flag so yes their plan completely backfired yeah. so they're all in the movie theater watching the movie cinderella and gypsy says oh i have to go to the bathroom so she wheels herself out to the bathroom. Wait, Gypsy said this? Not yeah. Dee Dee. Okay. No, Gypsy says, I have to pee. So she leaves, goes to the bathroom in the handicap stall, 
and Nick follows her out shortly after. And they had sex for the first time in the handicap stall. And romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> and Gypsy lost her virginity this way in the bathroom Aww. stall, which is just kind of sad. That is sad. So Dee Dee was aware, of course, of the relationship between the two. And she ordered Gypsy to stop seeing Nicholas. And they got into a huge argument that lasted a few weeks. And Gypsy said that Dee Dee called her the B word and other terms that are not good that we cannot share here. So Gypsy and Nicholas started planning Dee Dee's murder at this point. <laughs> Wait, so you're just going to go from, <gasps> you know what, mom? I'm so pissed. I mean, granted, she was being abused, but you're going to go from, you know what? I'm so like, what happened to just moving out? What happened? So, to- but here's the thing. Gypsy felt like she was a hostage and there's experts that weigh in and they say this situation with Munchausen syndrome by proxy, you're literally a hostage in the relationship. And I know people asked her, like, why don't you just stand up? Like, you know, you could walk. Why couldn't you just stand up? And she just was so influenced by her mother. She thought that, you know, it would never go her way and she would be punished and reprimanded by her mom and nothing would ever come of it because nothing has ever come from her opening her mouth. But it sounds like to me that there are certain. Okay, so she knew she could walk, so she clearly had stood up at some point and walked. Probably not in front of her mom, but she at least had that knowledge in herself. Mm-hmm. And she had the ability to recognize that this was a bunch of crap. On some level. But remember, she's only lived with her mom. Her mom was her best friend. There's other people who are in abusive situations who do not murder their parents. That's true. I'm not saying she was right to murder. I'm not saying that. I'm saying she was really stuck in the relationship. I agree she was stuck. I, I don't agree murder is the way to go, but I do think she was a hostage but in the situation. She, she's, she knows she's a legal adult. She could take off in the middle of the night with this new boo and Dee Dee would be none the wiser. But I think she was brainwashed. She I'm was sure trapped. she was brainwashed to a certain extent, but she was able to recognize that that one, this was not true. Two, she was able to foster up enough independence to and find romantic companionship that's true she did she did get rebellious i think that it was more motivated by resentment i do think she definitely resented her mom and she felt trapped i do agree with that so at this point like we said she the two began planning her murder and gypsy admitted to asking nicholas to kill her mom in june 2015 just a normal day, Gypsy traveled with Dee Dee to a doctor's appointment, and Nicholas checked into a hotel in Missouri, and he waited for Gypsy to text him to tell him that Dee Dee was sleeping. So this was premeditated as well? Oh, yes. Yeah, we'll get mm-hmm. way into that. So after Dee Dee had fallen asleep, Gypsy let Nicholas into the house. She gave him a knife that she stole from Walmart, duct tape, and gloves. And Dee Dee was 48 years old at the time, and he stabbed her to death 17 times in the back. And Gypsy was in the other room, and she had her ears covered. And Dee Dee was screaming out for Gypsy. 
After the murder, Nicholas wanted Gypsy to clean the murder scene naked as a turn-on, which she did. And then Nicholas claimed that Gypsy wanted to have sex, and the two of them had sex on Gypsy's bed. Gypsy claimed later that he had raped her. So the two of them took a taxi afterward to go to Nicholas's motel where they stayed. And then later, Nicholas and Gypsy took a bus to Nicholas's home in Wisconsin. And a few days later, the two of them were arrested. So when the police came to arrest them or to arrest Nicholas, he was waving a knife threateningly around. He did not want to go quietly, obviously, Mm -hmm. and he's just aggressive in his behavior. And initially, the police department believed that Gypsy was kidnapped by Dee Dee's killer. But some information came to light when they looked in Nicholas's house. And they saw disguises, they saw wigs, they saw cash that indicated that Gypsy was there of her own free will. So she was able to go to this person's house. She was able to make this decision. Yep. So Gypsy actually posted on Dee Dee and Gypsy's shared Facebook page, the B word is dead. And this post was traced to go to John's home shortly after her death. And Gypsy stated that she posted this because she wanted the body to be discovered and she wanted her mom to have a proper burial. Then why not say something besides? I know. It, it, it doesn't make sense. I just, I think it's, it's just so strange that that was what. She posts, I, I, there 100% is resentment here. Mm-hmm. And I think she was kind of in her own way getting revenge on the, on her mom. I agree. And I think that posting that on Facebook is more of a boastful action than a remorseful one. Mm-hmm. So after friends and family of Dee Dee saw this Facebook post, the body was discovered shortly afterward. Mm-hmm. Kim and David Blanchard, these are not family members. They're not relatives. Okay. They saw Gypsy's post. They rushed to Gypsy and Dee Dee's home. There was no answer when they knocked on the door. So they called police. And actually, David crawled in through the unlocked kitchen window <laughs> and saw three wheelchairs that belonged to Gypsy. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, Gypsy, I've never seen her out of the wheelchair. Someone must have taken Gypsy. And he... Just like everyone saw Gypsy as being very young, innocent, and vulnerable. So Gypsy's, or police found Dee Dee's body later on that night. And so, yeah, this all started from the Facebook post. But also she, Gypsy also posted a second time. And this one was posted and it just has a lot of swear words in it. I slashed that fat pig and R-worded. Her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so loud. LOL. Okay, so she's saying that she's an innocent bystander. Yeah. So, Gypsy shared her story after she had been arrested. And just so much came out about the abuse that Gypsy endured from her mom. And little tidbits like how... Dee Dee would hold Gypsy's hand in public and she'd squeeze it when Gypsy needed to be quiet. 
and a common theme in every single medical record on Gypsy is that Gypsy never spoke. She never spoke for herself. There was always a history given by her mother, Dee Dee. So psychiatrists all conclude that Gypsy was a victim of child abuse, which is very true. She was forced to fake illnesses. She was a victim of physical abuse. Dee Dee destroyed Gypsy's property. She would deny her food. She'd restrain her. Dr. Mark Feldman, who's an expert in Munchausen syndrome by proxy, said that the control balance was similar to that of a kidnapped victim. So he said that Gypsy was a hostage to Dee Dee and that she was trying to escape from Dee Dee. And like we talked about, a lot of people wondered why she just didn't stand up and expose her mom and, you know, prove her that everything she said was a lie. And she was conditioned to think that no one would ever believe her and she didn't have anyone to trust. So she really just didn't think it was an option to do that. But see, this is where I disagree because she was able to confide in that boyfriend Mm -hmm. and actually convince him to murder on Mm -hmm. her behalf. So clearly she had at least one person in her support system. She did have her own free will and she was able, I think there is a lot of conflicting emotions in this case. I agree. And I'm just, I really, I think that because if you, if you look at people who have been abused by partners, parents, and I'm not trying to um, minimize the abuse that she went through because it is horrible and awful and traumatic, but I personally do not think that you can justify murder for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's eminent physical harm and you're scared for your life, but this person was stabbed in the back. Yeah. You know? I, I don't think, you know, obviously I never think murder is the right way, right way to go. Yeah. But I do think she suffered significant abuse. Was she right to kill her mother or to have Nicholas kill her mother? No, absolutely not. But she did have significant trauma. So in 2016, Gypsy pleaded guilty to second-degree murder, and she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And she's eligible for parole next year, actually, in 2024. She did admit that she was the one who came up with the idea to kill Dee Dee because she wanted to end the hold that she had on Gypsy. And the attorney for Gypsy was able to arrange a plea deal. And so Gypsy's in prison now. She says that she's freer in prison than what she was when she was living with her mom. And she's allowed just to live like a normal woman. So she was interviewed by Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil asked her if she was glad that her mom was dead. And Gypsy says, I'm happy I'm out of that situation, but I'm not happy she's dead. In 2018, Nicholas was sentenced to life for first-degree murder, and he claimed that Gypsy asked him to kill her because it was the only way for them to be together. So Nicholas also will delve into his mental illness and his history a little bit more. He said that he had 
a good side and an evil side. And he had multiple personalities that were influencing his decision to kill Dee Dee. See, it's interesting because I see that Gypsy picked up a couple tricks from her mom. And it sounds like Nicholas was not in the right mental capacity. to, And she preyed on him the same way that her mom preyed on her. I do think Gypsy manipulated him. But... I do think he had, and I'll get into it, he definitely had capacity to make the decision to kill her. Or, what, what mental illness did he have? So I'll get into that. So he says, the good side of me refused to do it. My evil side actually did it. And he says he's got an evil side, and the evil side actually has a name, Victor. And he's a 500-year-old vampire that enjoys killing he also has a history of hearing voices in his head. He also was diagnosed with autism. It was 100% premeditated. And I do think he has, he definitely has some significant history. But he would send texts to Gypsy, is your mom a light sleeper or a deep sleeper? <laughs> he sent, babe, it's my evil side doing it. He won't mess up because he enjoys killing. He was uh, right, though. <laughs> So these texts indicate he was looking forward to doing it. Am I wrong? I think he yeah, was looking he forward to it. But that doesn't mean that he's not delusional and psychotic. So one witness for the defense, clinical psychologist Dr. Kent Franks, stated that he had ASD or autism spectrum disorder. Right. He also had an episode of psychosis at 13 years old. And he had been medicated and he had heard seven to eight voices when he was 13 years old and he had this psychosis. And so there was that witness. And then prosecution <laughs> also used their own clinical psychologist, Dr. Robert Denning. And Robert Denning is like, no, there's no evidence that he was intellectually impaired. And he gives examples. So he says, Gypsy and Nicholas were told after they had gone to the bus station to go back to Wisconsin after the murder. So Gypsy and Nicholas were told that there weren't enough seats on the bus to Wisconsin. And Nicholas didn't react like Dr. Denning said was very common in someone with autism. He said, typically, there'd be like a reactive anger or frustration. But he said that Nicholas was very cool about it. And that was abnormal for someone with autism. But they can't go based off of one situation. So, But that's not all. So also his interactions with Gypsy and other people were abnormal for someone with autism. He said he would hold the door open for Gypsy. He would lead Gypsy when they were walking. He's just very normal interactions. So there's these two conflicting issues. I do think he has autism 100%. I'm not denying he doesn't have autism, but I do think he had the intellectual capacity to know what he was doing in this crime. And it's, it's a, I don't know, there's two very different. Yeah. So prosecution claims that Gypsy was manipulated Nick into killing her, which I agree with. Um, did he have the capacity to deliberate? And this question 
is going to lead to him either being charged with first degree murder, which is life without parole, or second degree murder, which is at least 10 years to life in prison. And so ultimately he was charged with the first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison and, you know, really tried to paint him as a, like a savior for Gypsy and that he was a hero. He was chivalrous and he was there to, you know, save Gypsy and give her a world where she was not abused by her mom. So that's basically the story. I mean, she goes out for parole next year. And I do think that both of them, I think it's just, it's just a very controversial case. I, I think Gypsy is a sympathetic character in this. And, you know, you see all the abuse that she endured, but she still, you know, deliberated in the murder of, of another person. And I think that Nicholas also has a pretty significant history with his mental illness. You know, he's got a lot going on as well. And so I think it was just, uh, it's just, I think, a, a hard situation. And I think that they, I, I think they should have been charged. I'm not saying they shouldn't have been charged, but I, I just think it's a, a very difficult case. Yeah, definitely. I agree. But I feel like the, you know, and here we are. We have not actually talked to either of these people. You know what I mean? We're going based off of first-hand accounts or second-hand accounts or whatever it is. And this is what our opinions are formed off of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of conflicting. There's a lot of people who don't think she should have gone to jail. There's oh, a lot I, of people I who absolutely don't. absolutely think she should. I think 10 know. years is very fair, though. Yeah. I, I do think 10 years is fair. Because hopefully during that time, she, she said that she enjoys prison more than she did living with her mother. So maybe that would foster the independence that she mm -hmm. so desperately needed. Yeah. But great job, Riz. You are the freaking bomb. You are the investigative reporter of the sixth episode podcast of our podcast <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying anymore <laughs> should we call it let's call it and oh before we call it shout out to luminari productions for yes. the assistance as always shout out one of our parents an episode or two ago so shout out to our dad thanks dad thanks dad <laughs> love you <laughs> and mom is still here watching us so shout out to you mom again again <laughs> Two shout outs versus one shout out. We're going to have to even the odds at some point. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We are here every Wednesday and we'll be back again next week. So we're going to call it. It is 1938 for those of you who use military time and it's 738 p.m. for those of you who do not. And well, we hope you enjoyed listening to us. If you like it, then follow us, subscribe like us rate us whatever you want to do is good with us anything less than five stars oh you are gonna have to pay a penalty though. not accepted <laughs> <laughs> all right bye bye